What's up, ladies and gentlemen? 247 GM Hunter Homestek here with another episode of the Pittsburgh Combat Sports Podcast. This is episode 25 with undefeated Matt Factory standout middleweight Jake Lowry. We dig into Jake's work at the Matt Factory, his collegiate wrestling career, his impenetrable mental strength. You guys are going to love this chat. I genuinely think this is going to open a lot of eyes to what not only Jake's doing, but the entire Matt Factory crew is doing. We're going to start out our chat here talking about Penn State wrestling legend Bo Nickel, who is transitioning to MMA. So Jake has trained with Bo a few times and knows Bo's game really well. So we open things up here talking about Bo kind of on the fly, and then we get into Jake's career, the Matt Factory, everything that's going on there. Enjoy the show. People kind of like him, you know what I mean? Yeah. And uh, he has an easier time finding fights than I do, which is just crazy to me. It is weird, man. It's been cool to watch his career kind of take off, though. I mean, I there was a time I remember back when he was still full on in his wrestling days at Penn State. And he posted a video just like hitting pads in the backyard and everybody got super excited. Like, oh, is this actually happening? And now it is like I'm like, this this is yeah. cool. It's cool that he's yeah, making that crazy. transition. Yeah. Dude, what's it like working with somebody like Bo, especially for you, you know, being a, a really, really high-level collegiate wrestler yourself, you had a lot of success. So what, what's it like working with somebody who reached, like, you know, the absolute pinnacle of collegiate wrestling? It's crazy, man. Um, I think you kind of see why someone like him made it that far, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like you don't really get it until you're around it. Like, you don't really understand, but then you – you roll with someone like that. And I mean, he's only been doing jujitsu for what, less than a year. Yeah. And he's pretty amazing at jujitsu. It just doesn't make sense. Like how quickly he picks up on things and like and how good his hips are, like how strong he is. Like he doesn't look like he's that strong, but when he grabs you, it's like, it just almost blows your mind. Like it just doesn't make sense. You know what I mean? Absolutely. That's kind of the biggest things I noticed with him. Like I said, like he picks up on stuff so quick, like his striking, his jujitsu has just come so far already. And it's just, it's amazing to see how fast someone like that can pick up on things. It's really amazing. He has like, like you're kind of saying, it seems like he just has a, a brain for this. Like some guys have that instinct where they just, they just get fighting on a different level that they get anything else. And it seems like he definitely has that. I think, what impressed me kind of beyond belief was when he grappled Gordon Ryan and didn't just get annihilated right away. Like that's what everybody would expect. You know, Gordon Ryan, literally the best of all time, in my opinion. And for Bo to go in there and then do what he did for the amount of time he did, I thought that was freaking amazing. And then when Bo lost, he was clearly disappointed. Like he was super frustrated. He thought he he thought he was going to win. Like that's a crazy mentality. Yeah, and I don't know that he was training any jujitsu at that point. I think he came to the math factory like a couple times just to kind of help him get ready for that, just to kind of talk to Isaac and kind of get some understanding of it. But I don't, as far as I know, he wasn't training jujitsu consistently at that point, which makes it even that much more crazy. It's just it, wild. It really doesn't make sense. I mean, training with him now, I'm sure he's still, is he still a white belt? Did he get a blue belt yet? Uh, I think he's still a white belt as far as I know, but I mean, I, the belt rankings are so weird, you know what I mean? Like yeah. everyone kind of has different reasons for promoting people, different times they promote people. And we all know that he's not, not a white belt, you know what I mean? Yeah, that's that's what I was kind of going to gonna ask next, because you, you do get guys like that. I mean, Cam Allgaier, obviously, I know you're familiar with him, too. He's still a white belt, technically, but clearly his skills are above a white belt. So it's just interesting when guys like that, like, how would you compare Bo's jiu-jitsu? Because you do train all the time with bona fide black belts with Isaac and Chris and Dom and those guys. How does Bo compare to an actual certified black belt? It's it's just a different feel it's uh like when you go with a black belt it's just like a lot of transitions a lot like you're always you feel like you're in trouble all the time but with Bo, it's like you don't really feel like you're in that much trouble sometimes but he's just always in control you know what i mean Mm -hmm. like you don't it's not like you have to worry about getting your arm ripped off because he's not really going for that kind of stuff yet you know what i mean but his hips are so good that it just like it kind of 
almost depletes like everything you try to do on him, which is super weird because when you go with jujitsu people, the hips are just different. It's just not kind of the same pressure. It's not the same mentality, I want to say. So then whenever you uh, go with someone like Bo, it's just like you almost feel like you can't move and it just kind of makes you frustrated. And then you start kind of making some mistakes and he's just so good at what he does you know what i mean but I, I it's hard to compare him to like someone like isaac because isaac's just so knowledgeable and he just has so much experience that he he kind of like i said the transitions are like what i notice when i go with someone like isaac his transitions are just amazing but with someone like Bo, it's not like he's transitioning fast because he doesn't have to because he's controlling the position the whole time anyway so like he just kind of takes his time sure and i think it's it's interesting to watch wrestlers do that because they're super comfortable doing that. They're okay with being in control the entire time. They're not going to make that first mistake. They're going to just let you do it. They're going to wait for yeah. you to make that mistake and then capitalize. And I think that's something to kind of transition back to you and your fighting career, man. That's something that I think we saw in full display in, in your last fight against Hutch, the way you just broke him down after that first round and just waited bided your time and then when the opportunity presented itself the fight was a wrap instantly man what it, is that just yeah. rest is that just wrestler instincts like what is that in you that allows yourself to be so comfortable just staying in control staying calm and just waiting for that perfect opening um i don't i wouldn't say it's wrestler instincts because those kind of go away i would say it's just consistently wrestling like we go to a wrestling practice every tuesday and thursday here at and Isaac just pushes people to another level. So when you're so used to going to that next level, it's almost like you just get comfortable there. You know what I mean? It's like it, whenever I was in that fight, like I knew I was down in the first round, but like I knew I wasn't going to get tired. I knew I wasn't done. Like I knew there was no way he was going to outlast me. So I knew I just kind of had to put my time in, get recovered and kind of get back to it because like I said I've been in that position in wrestling so many times with Isaac really grinding on me for 20 minutes straight you know what I mean and you just once you get to a certain point you kind of get that mindset of like yeah I'm just not gonna break like then I I think that's what Isaac's kind of mostly known for is just taking people into the deep water and drowning them and it's it's really impressive to watch and once you're around it for a certain amount of time you start kind of getting the same feeling and I think you can see that with people like Chris Dempsey Matt Schaefer like if you roll with those guys they're the same way yep. and I think it's kind of the same thing they kind of have been around Isaac for so long that they've just adopted that style and it's just super hard to beat that style it is a Matt factory staple for sure that's what I tell everybody is like when you sign up to fight somebody from the Matt factory you know you're in for a long night one way or another man because they're going to be yep. prepared you guys are just grinders out there. And I think even the space itself, like when you walk in, I just visited for the first time, actually real yeah. recently, when you walk in, you know, it smells like a wrestling room. It's kind of small yeah. and tight and dark ish. Like it's just got that feel of like some real work is about to be put in here. That's the only reason you're here is to put in work. Yeah. No other reason to be there. And I always think it's kind of funny because he has the, uh, his actual business connected to the math factory. So you right. got this professional office space and then right next door, you got people just going to work. You know what I mean? It's just two different worlds in the same place. And I, I always thought that was kind of interesting. It's genius to have the rehab center, you know, chiropractic services right beside that because you go get twisted up at the mat factory and then just go right over and get adjusted. It's, it's beautiful. Yeah, perfect. <laughs> so, man, I wanted to ask you about kind of your college wrestling career transition into MMA, because I got to admit, like when I took this job with 247, obviously I knew who you were and I was very aware of your MMA career, but I had to kind of do my background checks to learn more about your wrestling mm -hmm. career and your high school wrestling career and things like that. There's kind of a gap between the end of your wrestling career and then the start of your MMA career. And I was just wondering, like during that time, were you just getting prepared for MMA? Like what was your actual transition from wrestling to MMA? Uh, so I actually, um, I all American my junior year. So then I got injured my senior year. I had a knee surgery and then I redshirted that year. Division three is a little bit different than, than division one. You can't really redshirt like multiple years in a row for the most part. And it's so expensive. You don't really have the money to kind of do that anyway. So 
you're not allowed to get the athletic scholarships and everything. Um, so then I got hurt again when I came back my super senior year and it kind of uh, kind of put me down for a little while. I was just trying to recover from kind of all the injuries that I gained over that time, you know what I mean? And graduated college. So then I started working. I thought that's what life was supposed to be. You know, that's what yeah. everyone tells you is go to college, get a degree, get a job, get a family, all that stuff. But then I kind of uh, started working every day and realized that that wasn't really what I wanted to do. So then I started training once I felt healthy enough again. It took me a couple of years to kind of get back to the point where I never stopped training completely. I was still wrestling. I was still lifting. But then uh, my roommate at the time, Gerald Rusa, found a jujitsu gym online. He was like, hey, man, let's go check this out. I was like, yes, let's do it. This might be what I've been missing. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So we went there, got just annihilated, which was kind of weird for us because we were so used to kind of being good at what we did you know what i mean we thought it was going to be very similar which it is to a certain point but i got kind of annihilated that night and i was like yeah i need to learn like what these guys know because this is some stuff that i'm not used to and like, i'm not used to getting beat up like this so uh this is a guy named robert Hendrickson. never forget him first night i went there he was like all right let's roll and just annihilated me for about five <laughs> to ten minutes straight and I was like, all right, but I will see you tomorrow. <laughs> Come back, you know what I mean? Nice. Yeah, that's kind of how I got into it. And then once I started doing it and started getting into the striking, the jujitsu, everything, I realized that like that's what I had been missing in my life. I I knew something was missing and that's what it was. Like you train from the time you're a kid and then once it all ends, you just kinda you just kinda lost. You just don't know what to do, you know what I mean? So I'm thinking wrestling's over. So I tried to move on and then I realized I couldn't like I, I'm just too addicted to it. it's just what I do yeah and then at the mat factory obviously you've got Isaac in there and is I don't, I don't know how old he is actually early 40s I assume I think he's he either just turned 44 or 45 I believe. okay cool mm -hmm. uh, my guess wasn't that far off but then like you got a guy yeah. like him who exactly what you're saying like you just can't let it go like Isaac's in there every freaking day just getting after it he's the perfect coach for you man right it's unbelievable yeah I mean he he's got such a mindset that like and it's so addicting so like when I moved here I was I was training hard but there's I wasn't even close to where I'm at now because being around people like him and Dempsey and Matt Schaefer I mean you just once you're surrounded by people like that, you start adopting that, that mindset. And then once you're in the mindset, it's like Isaac, he's just kind of stuck there. You know what I mean? It's like, that's just what it is. And, mm -hmm. and it's hard to get out of it once you're in it. Yeah. When did you cr first cross paths with Isaac? How did that connection happen initially? Oh man. So when I started at Monarch, uh, Dalton Rasta was going there. So he was kind of my first, training partner kind of intro into fighting and then he kind of moved on and started going to the map factory so then we didn't train for a couple months together and then he uh, messaged me one day asked if I wanted to spar I was like yeah and then he started talking about how he was going to this place called the map factory he's like dude you got to come check this place out with me he's like it's just another level so I was uh I was still working at the time so we would go out on Sundays and that's kind of where I started kind of seeing what the math factory was and I was like man yeah this is the place to be like this is if you want to fight this is where you need to go so then my gym kind of closed when COVID started and I made the move down I texted Isaac he's like yeah he's like come on down do you need a place to live I was like no I got that settled but I'll be down nice it seems like how it all went it's such a crazy natural fit for you, man. Like, it feels like you should have been at the mat factory your whole life to me. Like, I, I honestly can't imagine you anywhere else. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I tell my girlfriend Willow all the time, like, if I had the mat factory when I was wrestling, like, I think I would have done some really, really big things, you know what I mean? And it, it's kind of nice, though, because now I, I can see that kind of stuff. I realize how good of a place it is and I don't take it for granted which I think if you come up in a place like that you might kind of sometimes get a little used to it and kind of not see it for what it is you know what I mean so now I don't really have that problem I kind of 
notice how good it is. You know what I mean? And it, it makes it super nice. Sure. What's it, what's it feel like for you to be not just training there, but to be such a part of the team, you know, helping coaching, walking out with fighters, like at our fights, we always see, you know, making the walk out with the Matt factory guys and helping, helping them in the corner. It just seems like the brotherhood you guys all have there is really super tight. And it's cool to see, like, what's that feel like for you just to be a part of that? Yeah, it's crazy. Um, my last gym, I was the only one fighting while I was there. So it was kind of, I always kind of miss that team feeling because I was used to wrestling where you have a team with you all the time. So you're all like kind of pushing each other, depending on each other, kind of supporting each other. And I kind of missed that style from wrestling. Mm -hmm. But now that I'm at the math factory, I have it back and it's, it's amazing. It gives you so much more purpose. It kind of just walking out like that is uh big for like when I fight because you get the same feelings, you know what I mean? So then you're like going through that multiple times before you actually do it for yourself and it's almost worse because like when I watch my teammates I'm like you're, you have no control so you get a little bit more nervous and everything's kind of almost a little more intense in my opinion which is nice because like I said it's just experience and it just kind of helps me selfishly for whenever I go out next but it also kind of helps them because I'm kind of trying to help them warm up in the back kind of talking them through the things I've been through kind of just trying to make them comfortable, you know what I mean? So it kind of goes both ways. And I think that is the best part about it is that it, it's good for both parties. Sure, man. How do you handle that kind of backstage? Like, I just think a kind of bit B8, you're in the main event, you have to watch your teammates fight. You know, there's always a few Matt Factory guys on our card. So are you actively watching their fights? Or do you just kind of stay in your own zone? How do you handle that? <laughs> I'm not allowed. <laughs> nice. I got yelled at for it. So, uh, Actually, shout out to Matt Schaefer. Whenever I was in that fight, um, he was in charge of walking around with me all night because I have a hard time sitting still and kind of relaxing and not doing too much. So my striking coach, Evan, and Isaac made the decision to have Matt follow me around so I wasn't trying to peek out and watch my teammates and kind of do all this stuff that was just going to wear me down and not be beneficial to my fighting. So yeah, I'm not technically allowed to watch. I still kind of sneak some peeks every once in a while when I can, but it, it's hard because you hear the crowd going crazy and you're like, man, I wonder what happened. Like, I hope nothing bad happened. I hope this was our guy, not their guy. You know what I mean? That's kind of, so those thoughts do go through your head, but I usually, uh, I like to watch the fights that night. So like, I'll go back and whenever you guys send me the link and everything, I'll go back and watch the whole card. And that's when I kind of get to see them and I'm always pumped for that because it's like now my fight's over. So now I get to kind of go through the stages of watching them. And I, I still get the same feelings. You know what I mean? I still get the same butterflies because I didn't get to watch it. So I don't really know exactly how everything happened. And that, that makes it pretty cool, too, I think. That's awesome, man. I mean, do you know, though, like for that card in particular, did you know that Cole lost? Like, for example, was that tough for you to process before your fight? Or did you honestly have no idea what happened? No, I knew. Um, yeah. yeah. I heard Isaac and Evan talking about it. I mean, you know what happens. You try not to. It, it's hard because you definitely get emotional about it a little bit because it's your teammates, your people you love, your brothers that you're training with every day. But at the end of the day, you kind of kind of be selfish on those days and kind of realize that it's your time to get it back for the team. You know what I mean? I mean, that's the best thing that you can do, I think, is if your team takes a loss, pick them back up. And I think that's kind of more or less what I focus on when stuff like that happens. I mean, like I said, it is hard. It's it's hard yeah. to hear. It's hard to see them coming back with their heads down and not doing too good. But I think at the end of the day, we're all such a close-knit team that it almost pushes us to do better when we go out, you know what I mean, to try to get it back and try to get the team's morale back up <laughs> right I can't imagine man that's kind of why I'm asking this because I think this is a super interesting layer to the fight game that a lot of people don't think about and I talked about it with Isaac a lot too because it's a different position but he you know has to head coach three four guys on the same night sometimes within like two fights of each other we always intentionally try to never put two Matt factory guys back to back for you guys but sometimes it's unavoidable that they're going to be super close and right. 
like the mental toll that that's got to take on you guys is crazy. Like, do you feel, for instance, BitB10, where you're there just kind of in a coaching capacity, helping your teammates get ready. When the night's over, do you feel that kind of adrenaline dump that you kind of just went through it yourself? Yeah, I mean, for me, it's kind of different, though. For uh, for me, it's always the next day because my adrenaline is so high. It almost lasts through the night. You don't really mm. sleep that night. And then the next day is when it all kind of kicks in. But, yeah, just having all that, I want to call it like emotion. Like the emotion just kind of takes over. And for that whole night, you're just kind of in a different different little world. You know what I mean? So then it does kind of get to you the next day. It kind of catches up. But we're also used to it at this point. That's just what we do. And yeah, it's it's super nice. Like after Bit B10, we had a great night. So it was it was easy. You know what I mean? Everyone did good. So it was just more like congratulations, like good job, that kind of things. But whenever you have losses, that, that makes it a little bit tougher because then you know your teammates hurt and then you want to kind of comfort them and everything. You know what I mean? But yeah, Bit B10 for instance was very, very high the next day like we were all feeling pretty good yeah you guys tore it up at that event for sure man it's awesome to see and then there's even guys like I know Kama Justin Patton come they're Mm -hmm. academy guys but they also train with you guys a lot too so it's cool to have that kind of cross training going on too do you feel like when they take the cage that that's your that's your brothers as well like do you get that same feeling for them yeah for sure uh Justin Patton's been coming to the map factory a lot lately he's been at every wrestling practice he comes in does striking with us in the mornings he's uh I definitely was nervous for his fight as well I think he's just as much one of my brothers as the rest of them at this point Kama's not around kind quite as much he kind of does his own thing but I still see him enough to like that we still have that connection and I'm always still pulling for him obviously and it, I get the same feelings for him too but it's kind of hard because uh I feel like the people you're battling with every day, you just have that little bit extra for it. You know what I mean? Cause you just, you know what they're feeling, you know how hard they've worked, like you know what they've been through and like, you just want to see all good things for them. You know what I mean? Just kind of makes it just elevate a little bit more. Absolutely. I always think it's interesting when Matt factory or any gym for that matter picks up new fresh blood. Like we see a new guy come in and we're talking to Isaac, we're matchmaking a card and he has a new face for us. And then we get to kind of learn them. And I think one of the most recent guys that we've come to know pretty well is Ferdaz. And it's interesting with his background in striking. He's such a high-level striker coming in, coming into one of the best grappling schools, I think, that you'll find in Pennsylvania. Yeah. And I, when I was when I stopped in, he it was grappling practice, advanced jujitsu. Mm-hmm. And he was asking questions, man. He was super engaged. It seems like he's really taken to the grappling aspect of MMA. Like, what's it like when when a guy comes in? with a background like that striking and now he's got to learn to survive on the ground at one of the best places. Like what have you seen from Ferdaz in his development? Uh, he's a beast, man. He, uh, it, it's tough because you're walking into, like you said, one of the best gyms in, in my opinion, in the country and grappling and you're trying to keep up without really knowing what all is going on. So I think at the beginning it was a little bit tough for him, but when you have that mindset and it seems like he already kind of had that mindset from his upbringing, from his striking, from all the trainings already done. So he had the mindset to get it done. And now he, you go in and watch him. It's like a different level. It's like, you can see how much he's leveled up and it's super impressive. Same with Willow, same with uh, Vince, like all, all of these guys just came in and kind of just took to it like I said once you're around those mindsets once you're around Isaac Dempsey Matt Schaefer that you have two choices you either get mauled or you learn how to get better and all of them have learned how to get better to a to another level and I think it's going to do nothing but help them but at the end of the day it helps us too because then we have high level strikers that we're learning from you know I mean it all kind of it all kind of goes in a full circle and it's super nice I think that's what makes our team so so well-rounded is having people like that absolutely man that makes perfect sense I think for you personally too man I don't want to you know we're just kind of talking about the Matt factory but I'm for sure wanting to dig into your career personally because obviously undefeated as an amateur undefeated as a pro everybody sees you know really bright things in your future I feel like looking at the progression of your career though and this is probably a testament to Isaac and your teammates and everything you've done a really good job of 
taking it slow, taking the right steps, getting the necessary experience, I feel like. I'm sure you have Bellator UFC dreams, like that's where mm -hmm. you're you're headed. How do you stop yourself from getting ahead of yourself and just staying in the moment and understanding that it's a process? Um, well, it, it's super hard if you put yourself in those situations. So what I do is I basically remove myself from it. I tell Isaac and I tell Evan, tell Dempsey, Matt Schaefer, I tell all my coaches, like, don't, don't ask me, don't just tell me what to do. And that's what I'm going to do. Like, I trust you guys more than I trust myself when it comes to these decisions. So, you know, I will always say yes. So I need you to kind of be my brains on this part and do what you guys think is best. And I kind of, I know they have the experience. I know they've been down the road with this kind of thing several times in the past. So I, I, I kind of just depend more or less on them to kind of make those decisions for me. I kind of removed myself from the equation because fighters all have an ego and we're all willing to fight anyone, you know what I mean? But at the end of the day, I know that's probably not the smartest decision. So I kind of took myself out and gave that decision to some people that I think have a better idea of what to do in those situations. Yeah, going into your last fight against Hutch, what what were you guys thinking as a as a team about him as an opponent? Because I think to the to the untrained eye, if you will, the casual fan, they're just going to look at his record and say, "Oh, you know, Jake's going to go smash this guy." But I think when you really dig into his record, you see a lot of high quality wins and a really dangerous opponent there. How how were you guys kind of judging that fight ahead of time? Yeah, we knew he was tough. We we knew it was very tough. We uh. We honestly didn't want to take a fight that tough at the regional level that quick, but then we thought about it more and more, and we were like, no. Because the way we kind of think about things is he had, he was three and three, so he had six fights. So if I fight him, then I have six fights of experience. You know what I mean? That's kind of how we were looking at it more or less. We were like, yeah, let's get in there and get some experience and kind of see where we're at more or less we we knew he was tough we were we were preparing for it we we knew exactly what we were getting into we they researched him they had me a, a game plan I obviously kind of messed it up at the beginning but yeah I mean that's kind of what happens sometimes with high level people I mean you get kind of caught off guard and kind of have to come back but yeah we we always knew he was tough we we had no doubt in our mind we were ready though that's the craziest part of this game, man, is that no matter how much preparation you do, it can all just change in an instant. I mean, that was within, you know, the first 10, 20 seconds of that fight that he clipped you. And it, that changes everything. Like you said, the yeah. game plan goes out the window right then. Now you're fighting on instincts. Basically, that entire first round was you essentially defending the finish. And yeah. that a crazy spot for you to be in, man. Now that the dust has settled, do you rewatch that fight at all? Think about that fight. Like, how do you process what you actually accomplished there? Because I think, and we all agree at 247, you know, we say that's one of the best fights that we've ever had inside our cage. Like, how do you process exactly what you did there with that comeback? Yeah, uh, I don't know. I was pretty disappointed in it at first, honestly. I was. I was super mad after that fight because I got clipped and then I got mauled for the first five minutes. You know what I mean? That's, it's not really what anyone wants to happen, but the more I kind of watched it, the more I see that he just got a good shot on me. Like he, he did the perfect move at the perfect time. And I mean, kudos to him. He was tough, man. I, I'll give him all the credit in the world. That guy was tough. It takes the right dance partner to, to do a fight like that. You know what I mean? And, now looking back at it, I'm more grateful than anything because I needed a test like that. I mean, you don't really know where you stand until you get put in a position like that. And I think it took someone like him to kind of bring that out in me. So I'm still kind of disappointed in my performance at the beginning, but I'll take the second, third round, you know what I mean? But I, uh, at this point, I'm just more grateful for it than anything. Yeah, it was really funny after that fight, man, because I know I came backstage. I wanted to talk to you and you were like you were clearly in no mood for talking at the time, like full, <laughs> full disclosure. And I I knew that. But like I also knew like something really incredible just happened. So I had to get your thoughts on it. And kudos right. to Isaac. I know Isaac like came over. was like, hey, like just two minutes. Talk to him for two minutes. You're good. Yeah. But it's it's funny because it's exactly what you said. Like you were really pissed after that fight. And I'll never forget like your reaction to that fight was exactly just to kind of tie it back, 
it reminded me of like Bo Nickel versus Gordon Ryan, like we talked about. Like he he was upset even though it was a phenomenal performance because you guys yeah. hold hold yourselves to such high standards. And I just remember Isaac telling you like Jake, that was UFC level stuff. You just showed like that's what you needed. That's that's how it needed to go. Like how long did it take you to kind of come to terms with that? That what happened was necessary and actually good for your career. Oh man. Uh... Or are you still not still struggle with it a little bit? <laughs> yeah. Still struggle yeah. with it a little bit because like you said, we hold ourselves to uh to a higher standard at the math factory for sure. And I think um I'm just thinking of the future, thinking like, man, I can't let that happen again. So I've I've been working on it and I think at this point it more or less is uh I'm grateful for it, but it also is something that's driving me for the next mm-hmm. the next fight. You know, I mean now I know what I have to work on. I've kind of seen some of the flaws I might have and I've been I've been putting in the work to try to fix those but yeah it, it still stings a little bit you know what I mean it, uh you never want to see yourself getting mauled for five minutes or your parents seeing you get mauled for five minutes I'm sure, sure that's not easy for mom and dad but but at the end of the day it is what it is at this point I thought I, I mean I think it was a good fight I think it was something that I needed Sometimes you don't really want what you need, but you still need it. You know what I mean? So I'm trying to trying to get over it. I, I think I'm, I'm fine with it now, but still got that little bit of sting to it, I, say, I would say. Sure. And I think, you know, anybody listening that's never seen Jake fight or seen Jake fight live, especially, he talks about it's not good for mom and dad to see it, but this guy brings out the fans like almost nobody else regionally, man, the, the chance, you know, the Lowry, Lowry chance at your fights, man. It's an incredible experience when you take the cage and you got all that fan support. Do you, I, I'm sure like you're laser focused in the zone, but do you feed off that? Do you notice like the amount of people that show up for you and are there for you? Yeah, it's, it's crazy that it means everything too. I mean, when you're, getting mauled for five minutes and you just hear, hear the Lowry chants going in between rounds, you know what I mean? It's so hard to, uh, it makes it impossible to give up. Like, you can't do that. You can't let all those people down. Cause in my head, I do got kind of, I see my friends' faces. I see my family's faces. Like, I, I can just feel all of these people pushing me forward. You know what I mean? And it, it does make it so much more special. I want to say when you know you have that support and it does, it brings you to life, man. It, it takes you to another level. Um, and then afterwards, it, I just know I'm going to get to see them. And I know I'm going to get to like hug them all and tell them thank you for coming. And like, that definitely means the world to me. My favorite time to be alive is right after my fights. It's my favorite time to be alive. And the last, my first pro fight, my striking coach, Evan, stopped me at the gate and everyone was doing the Lowry chants and everything. And he stopped me and I was like, what's up, man? He was like, just, I want you to just do a favor for me real quick. I was like, what's up? He said, close your eyes and just, just feel this. So I closed my eyes. The Lowry chants are going crazy. And, and you can feel that energy. It's, it's amazing. It almost takes you, it takes me up to a week sometimes to process just that, all of that energy, you know what I mean? It's just crazy. But yeah, that, it means the world to me. That's, that's what I do it for. That's, that's kind of my why, you know what I mean? Oh, man, that's freaking awesome. Kind of gave me chills a little bit talking about it, dude, because I can imagine that feeling, everything you describe. And I mean, with the way the trajectory of your career as well, you know, being undefeated now, every fight, are you feeling the, I don't want to like add extra pressure on your shoulders or anything, but do you feel that extra pressure now every time you step into the cage? Because once, now that you're undefeated, man, now the goal is keep it rolling, you know? Yeah, well, I mean, there's always going to be pressure. I mean, what we do has pretty high consequences. I don't think it's very much pressure to me to stay undefeated. That's not the kind of thing I think about when I go in. Like, it's more or less me trying to be the best version of myself and making it to where I know I can go. And I don't try to put too much pressure on it. There's always going to be pressure, though. You know what I mean? It's same with wrestling, but I've been through that. I was 40 and won my junior year of wrestling when I took third. So I had all that pressure of being undefeated all year. And then I lose in the semifinals, you know what I mean? But getting through that where I had to come back to take third, I think was super important to what I'm doing now. You know what I mean? You learn how to get through that. You learn how to take those losses, deal with it, move on. You can't stay stagnant. You can't 
let it bring you down, like take you back. You got to just keep moving forward. And I think that is the Matt Factory mindset. You know what I mean? Whatever happens, we call him Mr. Murphy. If Mr. Murphy comes, just smack him in the face and keep going. That's awesome. That's what we do. I love looking at it that way. And I think the more that I talk to you guys, more I talk to fighters, more I talk to coaches, it becomes almost more impressive when a guy does something like what you did against Hutch or, you know, I was just talking to Josh Framed on the last podcast and he lost a few times as an amateur, has lost twice as a pro. Every time he loses, he comes back a better version of himself. And I think it just takes a special person to in this business, because when you lose an MMA, that means somebody whooped your ass like straight up. Like that's what happens in this business. Mm -hmm. And to come back from that stronger, better, more motivated, man, that takes a special kind of person. So do you guys specifically work on, you know, mental health, mental strength at the mat factory? Or is this just a product of you guys getting in there every day and just building yourselves up? No, we definitely talk about it. Uh, usually after the end of every wrestling practice, they kind of have us all together and have a little meeting. And if you've never heard Chris Como talk about mindset, you need to do it because that man will get you so hyped up. He will have you so motivated and so fearless that you just, there's nothing to lose at that point. He'll have your mind right. Trust me. Isaac's the same way. I mean, we're in the point of wrestling season now where they're going to states, going to nationals. So everyone's getting ready for their big tournaments and the motivational speeches these guys are given, it, it'll give you chills, man. And then you just say, you don't have an option that at that point, they make it so clear what you need to do and like how you need to feel about it, that there's no other option. That's just, that's what you have to do. You know what I mean? And it, it's crazy that, especially watching these high school kids, man. I mean, I remember when I was in high school, I didn't really have anyone giving me that kind of insight on the mindset. You know what I mean? They have this, they say there is no win or lose. There's win or learn. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? So they say, if you get, if you lose, so what? That's, that's kind of their biggest saying is if you lose, so what? It doesn't matter. Get up and go again. As long as you're going to the best of your ability and putting in all of your effort, you can't be upset about it. You put in the work, you've done all the right things. You're growing as a person, you're growing as a martial artist, you're growing as a wrestler. They, that's all you can ask for. That's what these sports were made for, you know what I mean, was to ultimately become a better person. And I think that's what the math factory instills into people. Absolutely. When, when do you think that you really digested that mentality and started to understand that? Because it's exactly what you said, like, especially as a kid, you think that winning is everything like if you lose yeah. then you're a loser and that's the worst thing ever like when did you kind of learn that a loss could be a good thing a motivating factor because like you said you know wrestling in college you're going to lose you're not going undefeated it's yeah. going to happen yeah mm -hmm. uh I would say definitely high school I mean I took some some beatings in high school you know what I mean I don't think I necessarily needed to take those beatings but I think um if nothing else they did propel me to do what I did in college I mean it's so easy in combat sports because like I said, you have two options. You either give up or you get better. And at a certain point you keep losing, you keep losing and you have to make that choice for yourself. And once you make that choice, there's no turning back. You know what I mean? Once you cross that line, it's like, well, this is my decision. This is what I'm sticking with. And that's just kind of the way it goes. But yeah, the losses kind of, they motivate you, man. I still think about my loss at nationals when I train every day. When I'm getting that last little push, I just remember this guy waving his arms, standing over top of me after he just pinned me in the national semifinals. You know what yeah. I mean? And it, it just has a dark place in me and it, <laughs> it brings out some good things, though. You know what I mean? And, and I think Josh is the same way. I mean, I've been around Josh for a long time. We wrestled in high school and everything. And then he came to Teal. We wrestled there for a while. I mean, Shout out to him, by the way. I'm so pumped for him. No one deserves it more than that guy. I've seen him put in the work. I've seen where he comes from. We come from a very similar place. You know what I mean? I think uh, I can't wait to see what he does here. I think he's deserved this for, for a while now, but I think maybe him having to wait and take some of those losses, I think it's going to do nothing but help him in, in his journey. And I, I'm excited to see what happens.
for sure. And I think he'll be happy to hear you talk about times that you got whooped in college as well, because on, yeah. our, on our podcast, I know you heard the story, but for people yeah. catching up, like Josh, Josh told a story about Jake just annihilating him in high school wrestling. Do you remember that match specifically? I do. Yeah, I do remember that match. I think I hit him with a, a front headlock head in the hole and ran it. And I just wasn't going to be denied that day. And I mean, I've, it's kind of wild though, because I was thinking about this the other day. He remembers that one so well. I remember it too. But then I also remember my first time sparring with him when I didn't know anything. And I remember just going home like, man, maybe, maybe this isn't for me. You know what I mean? Like I need to either learn some stuff or like something's going on. Cause like, I just got worked for 20 minutes straight. You know what I mean? So we, I think it's great because we all feed off of that. You know what I mean? I mean, I, I think it's kind of something that you need to have in your career. You have to have those losses. If you don't have losses, you'll never feel the need to get better. You never feel the need to push yourself and learn how those people beat you. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think just you saying that, man, acknowledging that, processing that says a lot about where you are in terms of your career and your mentality. And again, credit to everybody at the Matt factory for helping kind of cultivate that mentality with, with all of you guys. I think that's a common theme with yeah. every fighter out of the Matt factory kind of has this same mindset. You guys, like you guys remind me like the movie 300, you know, like all the Spartan warriors, they're <laughs> yeah. very, very like detail oriented. They all, they move like all in sync. They all feed mm -hmm. off each other. Like that's how Matt factory seems to me. Like all you guys just kind of got that, that vibe about you so it's really cool to watch you grow and hear why that growth is happening I mean people kind of look at your career maybe and just think oh you know he's this super athletic this super prospect you know he's got it made he's undefeated but man like the hours you guys put in this is no this is no accident no no I think uh from the time I started training I was training for the anticipation of going pro like i started throwing head kicks, started throwing elbows, everything from the beginning, because you have to have that kind of goals for yourself. You know what I mean? You have to see where the future goes. Like you can't kind of look past where you're at, but you also have to be prepared for where you're going, if that makes sense. You know what I mean? So the whole time I kind of, I knew where I wanted to go with it. And that's what I was getting prepared for more or less. So, I mean, I've tried to train as professionally as possible the whole time. And I think that's, what the math factory is good at doing. I mean, it's a professional mentality though, the whole way through. And I mean, even when you're an amateur, you're training like a professional. So it's hard to not kind of pick up on that kind of yep. stuff. You know what I mean? That's a great way to put it. And I think that's definitely evident in everybody's fights. You know, we talked about Ferdaz earlier and in his last fight at, at BIP B9, he got dropped pretty badly in the first round as well and yeah. just shook it off and came back to dominate round two and three. I mean, it's just a common theme with you guys of being able to absorb punishment and bounce back, stay focused, stay ready. What's it like for you kind of being in the corner of a fighter when you know that they need a little pep talk, they need help between rounds? Like, how are you able to influence them mid-fight? What's that process like? Uh, it depends on the person, man. You got to – that's why I think the Math Factory does so well is because we all know each other to a – certain level where like if someone needs a pick-me-up you know what their their drive is you know what I mean you know what drives them so then you kind of get in their ear and you're like hey man don't forget about your mom sitting over there like remember this is for her you know what I mean yeah but it kind of depends on who you're talking to like everyone has a different drive everyone has a different why and once you know that why it kind of makes it a lot easier to give them that motivation. All you got to do is bring it up and you can see people's faces change. You can see that they go to another place. And they, sometimes it's hard when you're out there, you kind of forget about that. But then when you come into the corner, you have your, your people that are the closest to you telling you, like reminding you about that stuff. And I think that's kind of the best way to go about it is just kind of try to get each person individually. I don't think there's one overall way to do it. I think you got to kind of, go bit uh it's subjective uh, in my opinion uh, yeah for sure man and i think that's perfect and i wrote about it a little bit after bit b10 but like watching dempsey in the corner and kind of assume mm -hmm. a more of a coaching role and his work in that edwin fight specifically i told him 
backstage i was like dude it was like you were controlling edwin with a video game controller like er everything you said edwin was doing and it was working perfectly it, it was just crazy to watch that connection like how does that develop over time like can you tell when guys are in the gym practicing when it just starts to click with them that they're taking instructions well and they're just like getting it so to speak yeah yeah i mean we train specifically for that kind of thing i mean we have a system and once i start seeing someone take a hold of the system you know they're there mm -hmm. you know what i mean we have such a isaac dempsey matt evan they've all had this system so down pat that it's almost just built into you at a certain point it just takes consistency and takes time to figure out all the little intricacies but once you get out there I think any of us could kind of do the same thing, you know what I mean? Because we all train the same way. We all know exactly what they're expecting of us. And when Isaac says certain things, we know what he's talking about. When Dempsey says certain things, we know. When Evan says something, I know. I mean, yeah. they, it's just, I think it's trust. I think we trust them to a, a level of like, we know that they know better sometimes and we're going to listen to them, you know what I mean? Yeah, I think once you have that trust, I think it just makes it super easy. It is. It's super apparent watching you guys fight, watching you guys backstage and obviously coming down, seeing you guys train. Like we said, it's no no accident, the things that are happening there. And I think that's mm -hmm. going to be a huge reason why the Matt Factory sticks around and just continues to grow as a force, right. which is kind of something I wanted to ask you about, talk to you about as well is like this new wave of fighters coming out of Pittsburgh right now. I talked about it with Josh Fremd a lot, but Cody Law, Dalton Roster, you talked about earlier, Steve Mowry and mm -hmm. Bellator tearing it up. Like there's this new wave of guys going to that next level. And for sure, you're a guy that I'm sure, you know, like we think of you that way. Most people think of you that way. What's it like being a part of that process, that development in Pittsburgh and being a part of this next wave of great fighter from here? Uh, it's awesome, man. I mean, I'm, I feel like we're all pretty grateful for those guys you just mentioned, like Josh Fram, Dalton, Cody Law, because they kind of paved the way for this, you know what I mean? So they, it makes it so much easier when you've seen people go through the same process you're going through at the same place you're going to, and you see where they make it to. So then there's just no doubt, and then it kind of just puts it all on your shoulders. So then you have no other choice. You know you have to put in the work. You know you can do it if you do what they did. But I mean, we're all at the same place that they started at, you know what I mean? It yep. just makes it almost so much more like easy to kind of get through because you see where you can go if you do what they're telling you to do. And that's kind of more or less what makes you want to put in that work and put in the hours with your coaches and listen to them and because uh, they've already made it, you know what I mean? You see that they've made it. I call it leverage. I mean, no one wants to go to a, a gym where there's no leverage. Like if, mm -hmm. if you're not producing anything, why would, why would people want to support your gym? But our gym has been producing. I mean, look at the division one wrestling statistics out of the map factory. You know what I mean? It would blow mm -hmm. your mind. It's so, I mean, it's been going on there for years. So there, there's no lack of trust there for many of us. We all know what we have and we all know that we have some of the best coaches in the world. And it just makes it super easy to put that trust into them and kind of listen to what they say. And if they say to do something, we do it. You know what I mean? That it makes it so much easier. So thank you to those guys. And I, I watch all of them. Every time mm -hmm. they fight, I get super pumped up. I mean, I didn't get to train with like Cody Law or Steve Mowry that much, but I still get kind of the same feelings. I mean, they're all from the same place. You know what I mean? So there's still that, that Pittsburgh connection, I guess you would call it. It's so true, man. And I think it's something that we get genuinely excited about as well, even though, you know, they've never fought for us. Like Steve Mowry never fought for us. Fred never fought for us. Law never fought for us. But we get so excited to just celebrate good things that are happening in the Pittsburgh MMA landscape. And right now it just feels like it's buzzing at a new level. You know, back in the day with the OGs, you know, even Dempsey Mazzotta, of course, and then mm -hmm. a lot of the academy guys too, when Kamo's going to the UFC, Adam Milstead, Mark yep. Cherico, like that, mm -hmm. the, Cody Garbrandt was training at the academy at the time as well. It's like when it was Pittsburgh Fight Club, that was kind of the first wave, I feel like, where it really put Pittsburgh on the map and then kind of died for whatever reason. Now it feels like it's surging right back, man. And I mean, you're clearly a part of that. And like you said, 
it's just so cool to see that buzzing. And that's something that we just want to emphasize at 247 is like, that's what we want to do, man. We want to keep building this Pittsburgh MMA community up to a new level that it's never seen before. And we genuinely feel like we can get there, especially with gyms like the Matt Factory, like you just said, producing talent like yourself and like everybody coming up. I mean, it seems like there's a new killer at the Matt Factory every week. Yeah. Yeah. Isaac calls it, uh, we like to think of it as like the law of attraction. I mean, like attracts, attracts like. So I don't think it's any accident that people are coming to the math factory like that. I think it's energy, man. I think once you know what you want to do, you know where you need to go. You know what I mean? I think, uh, I think it's a common theme. I, I mean, not many of us that are at the math factory are from this area. Even we kind of traveled to this area for that reason. You know what I mean? I think it, uh, I think it's pretty apparent that that energy is kind of kind of working. You know what I mean? It's it's so true. And I think I got to ask you this. I know that you already said you kind of let Isaac and your your crew handle all this. But this is what everybody wants to know with your career, man. Like where where do you see yourself going eventually? What is your end goal with MMA? Because there's obviously a couple of different paths you guys could take. Like, again, Dalton, Cody, Steve all went the Bellator route. Josh kind of held out for the UFC. You could tell by going to LFA first, which is clearly a feeder for the UFC. So what, like, do you prefer one to the other? Are you just letting it play out? Like, where do you see yourself in a few years? I try not to think about it as like, uh, as much of like UFC, Bellator, PFL, whatever. I think more along the lines of, I want to be a world champion and whichever promotion wants to give me that opportunity and make it the most beneficial for me. That's mm-hmm. where I want to go. I'm not too caught up on having three letters on my chest or, you know what I mean? I, mm-hmm. I don't really worry about that too much. I think all of them are pretty, pretty good. I, I obviously have a soft spot for Bellator just because I've kind of been around it a little bit more, but I don't think, I don't think I really have a predetermined place I want to go. I just want to see, get a couple more fights in, kind of get some leverage. And then I want to start talking to people and kind of see who's going to give me the best opportunities and whoever gives me the best opportunity, that's where I'm going to go. And when I write my goals, I don't write UFC champion or Bellator champion. I just write world champion. You know what I mean? That's kind of, that's more or less my goal. That's beautiful, man. We're, you know, I'll just say, being totally honest, we're honored to be a part of that, man, and, and host your fights while you get there and help build you up and everything, dude. It's always a, a genuine honor, like I said, when you take that cage, man. We don't take it for granted, you know, these guys that are helping us just as much as we feel like we're helping you get where you need to go. It's a really good relationship I feel like we're building. So we're excited yeah. for the next one. Like we said, as soon as we can, <laughs> as soon as we can find somebody to accept that fight yeah. against you, man, it's on. Yeah, for sure. And I, uh, we all appreciate you guys too, man. You guys are doing big things for uh, Pittsburgh combat. And uh, it, it's really nice to see, man. We've needed something in Pittsburgh to kind of show the world what we have. You know what I mean? There's not really a, there wasn't really a Pittsburgh promotion before you guys that I know of. I think back in the day, maybe Pinnacle, but then they kind of fell off a little bit. So it is super nice to just have a place where Pittsburgh MMA is being shown to the world and and we truly appreciate that as well and I appreciate all the hospitality and just the way you guys kind of go about business I I really appreciate it as well it's been a pleasure no man it's it's been great like I said we look forward to the next one dude I'm not going to take up too much more of your time I'm sure you got to go get twisted into a pretzel or something (laughs) by Isaac right now so I'm going (laughs) to let you go man I appreciate all the time and all the insight dude this was genuinely an awesome chat great picking your brain and we're going to do it again we'll run it back soon yeah for sure brother thank you I really appreciate it man